Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk. Today we're going to be talking about a very serious topic that I know a lot of people who have kidney disease want to know more about, and uh, the topic is pregnancy and kidney disease. And today we're talking to Dr. Madeline Paul. She's a nephrologist at the University of California, Irvine, and uh, we're so glad to have you on the line, Dr. Paul. Hi, thank you. It's really uh, great fun for me to participate in this wonderful, wonderful uh, endeavor. You guys do a great job. Thank you so much. Well, you know, I hear a lot on the Internet and in social media, and um, it's it's happening more and more, but people are becoming pregnant and uh, when they have kidney disease. So can you ta- tell us a little bit about the risks, possible complications that people have to worry about? Yeah, sure. So when um, patients with kidney disease, particularly uh, advanced kidney disease, so chronic kidney disease in stages 4 and 5, and dialysis patients, um, they have much higher risks of pregnancy uh, if they conceive. You know, traditionally, we used to say, particularly dialysis patients, would rarely if ever get pregnant. But recently, as you mentioned, there's been uh, more and more pregnancies reported, even in dialysis patients. So something must be working, something must be good that mm-hmm. allows women to conceive. But once they've conceived, several of the concerns that they have uh, can be divided. Usually we divide them in two types, maternal problems and then fetal problems. The maternal problems people think about, for example, if you have chronic kidney disease, is whether your kidney disease is going to get worse. That's the right. first thing people wonder. Right. And if you see people that have chronic kidney disease just in the early stages, one or two, or say creatinines that are less than 1.5, milligrams per deciliter, there doesn't seem to be a great concern regarding significant progression of kidney disease. But if you have uh, creatinines greater than two or chronic kidney diseases of certainly four and five, pregnancies associated with the progression, and some people have reported as much as 40% will get progression of kidney disease. That doesn't mean the women go on dialysis, but it is something to think about, okay? The other ones is hypertension. So the moms can, if they don't have hypertension, develop hypertension, or if they have hypertension, their hypertensions can need to be controlled. And the medications that they use are different. You cannot get pregnant on the like, you know, the ACE inhibitors or angiotensin receptor blockers, those medicines specifically have to be stopped because they'll hurt the baby. Okay. So in, in um, that regard, the blood pressure uh, may be a little challenging to control, but there are tons of other medications that can be used. And then the final one for the mom is 
the risk of preeclampsia is higher. And then many of the patients that have significant kidney disease have preterm deliveries. So they deliver babies earlier than 37 weeks. Okay. Well, so, when, um, so it, yeah, when I was that's in... That's the mom. That's the mom. Well, when I was uh, in my uh, mid-20s, I had gotten my third transplant. And, you know, I came out of the hospital with a 2.2 creatinine. It was a, a six antigen match, but it didn't work for three weeks. And I remember the the uh, my transplant nephrologist telling me like you know don't get pregnant because yeah. you'll you'll hurt the kidney, and for two reasons obviously because of my creatinine being two point two, but I'm also I'm also small <laughs> I'm all, only four yeah. foot ten so there's not a lot of room uh, for the baby and a kidney and so I just decided to have puppies instead of kids but um you know it it, i just didn't want to you know ruin my gift of life um i just didn't feel that that was a risk i was willing to take so um and if you have the with a kidney transplant and we do tell patients even though the data isn't hard and fast that they should wait at least a year a year and a half um some people say two years before they get pregnant and make sure they have stable kidney function, that they don't have protein in their urine, and ideally that their blood pressure is, is normal for the kidney transplants. Yeah. Well, and yeah, for me, my creatinine was 2.2, and they really yeah, felt, it, they really felt like, uh, you know, this kidney will last a few years, and, you know, because it was back in 1990, and it, that kidney lasted 20 years. Yeah, no, um, that's wonderful. Yes, and it could have made the kidney function worse. Exactly. And you could have then, maybe you finish the pregnancy with a creatinine of 2.7. But then that, as you know, shortens the life of the allograft. Exactly. If if you bring up pregnancy in transplants, now most patients, now maybe in the 90s, you may have been on Imuran or you were on Salcept already. Yeah, it was on Imuran and Cyclosporin. Right. Those you can take during pregnancy. But Salcept, you have to stop. Okay. So, Cycrolimus or Prograph, Cyclosporin, Prednisone, Imuran can be taken, but Salcept has to be stopped. So, patients who are transplanted now, they have to know that because that could hurt the baby. And, and uh, we're not 100% sure about Serolimus or Everolimus, but the concern is enough most people stop it or switch it, if possible, and finally, if people are on uh, another big one they have to stop is if they're on, like, a statin for cholesterol, uh-huh. that'll hurt the baby, too. Well, now, does this apply for the guy as well? Um, no. Actually, the probably not. The serolimus may make them, and, you know, the, the idea of imuran, azathioprine, or um, Celsep, whether or not they affect the sperm count. Mm-hmm. but they don't seem to hurt the baby as far as we know. We don't change things in men. It's in women. Yeah. So I want yeah. to talk and a little... And their blood pressure medications can be anything. They won't hurt the baby. They won't hurt the baby. Uh, talk a little bit about, you know, when you're on dialysis and what pregnancy would look like for somebody who's under uh, receiving treatment. Yeah, and it, and as I said, we used to hardly see anybody. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, at UCI, I think we have more than... We might be up to 15 or 16 uh, that have been uh, transferred to us or had become pregnant in our unit. And 
what is recommended is once you know they're pregnant, usually we find out in the second trimester, not early on. And then uh, the recommendation is to increase the dialysis prescription. And so we dialyze patients six days a week. These are in-center dialysis patients, and we dialyze them usually three to four hours, six days a week. You try to get their BUN, their blood urea nitrogen, below, certainly below 50s, and make sure all their blood pressure, electrolytes, everything are as well controlled as possible. In the dialysis patients, we continue the erythropoietin to keep, you know, make sure they don't have anemia. Mm-hmm. The one we definitely, and we, if they need iron, we give them iron IV. You know how they do that in the dialysis unit. Mm-hmm. But we do stop the Sensipar because okay. it's not 100% clear whether or not that's okay for the baby. Although there's been reports of women, they didn't know they were pregnant and they kept it on them, the baby's okay. The baby's but okay. But usually we stop that one because we don't want the baby's calcium to drop. And you have to have a steady blood pressure. That's the most important thing, right? We do. And, uh, of course, when they're dialyzing every day, right? the massive changes in blood pressure, you know, most dialysis patients, even when they're well-controlled, they'll come in, I don't know, 150 systolic, and then they leave maybe 120, right, 130. Mm-hmm. So they drop 20 millimeters of mercury, which normally you wouldn't do in three or four hours. Right. Usually when you're dialyzing somebody every day, they may coming in at 140 and they're leaving at 130, something well, like this. Well, and it's That's because of fluid, see. right? It's all because, because of yeah, fluid because they're taking we're taking fluid off every day. And an important thing, the the nephrologist, God willing, will remember because you have to adjust the dry weight every week. Right. Because these women are are uh, every, you know they're pregnant, so they want to they they're going to be uh, gaining weight. So you have to assess them and adjust the dry weight accordingly. Well, and do you use the crit line on um, people who are pregnant? We have not done it simply because years ago, the when this concern about whether the crit line was good or not, we stopped using it. But it, it we would not be opposed to doing that and uh, attempting to manage the volume. But traditionally, we've been using clinical evaluation clinic. in these uh, pregnant women that we've been taking care of, yeah. So and, and there's data across, too, in uh, from the patients that are on dialysis, the nocturnal dialysis right. patients in Canada and other sites where they dialyze something like 36 hours a week. Some of those centers, when the women are pregnant, increase them to 48 hours a week. Well, do you have to change your diet? Like, do you have to consume more protein or um, other yes, nutrients? So then, we, yes, we alert the dietitian. That's an excellent question, and we make sure that they have adequate protein intake. They, we uh, Additionally, in the, most women are on prenatal vitamins, but we make sure they get adequate folate or the water-soluble vitamins, particularly folate, because that can, not enough folate can hurt the baby's spinal cord and neural formation, and it's, it is a dialyzable vitamin, so we make sure we supplement adequately. And I know... Usually they take more, more than just the one that comes in the prenatal. And the the people who've been on dialysis that have been pregnant, do you find that they have a better appetite because they're pregnant, or is it sometimes difficult to eat, or have you over uh, seen any challenges that the patient faces? That's an interesting question. I didn't notice. I think they're eating fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was just curious. I was thinking about that. That's we a just... great question. I'm going to have to 
figure this out. Well, you know, it's interesting because um, one of the, the questions or topics that come up a lot is, you know, I'm not hungry. And, um, you know, I this is my own research. But I, I know if you're not hungry, you're not well dialyzed. <laughs> Yes. And um and but, but so I would assume because they're getting dialysis six times a week that they may be more hungry and the baby also needs to eat as well. But so, um, yeah, I, I yeah, think... that, maybe that's why we haven't had that main issue. Some of the women do have nausea right the, okay. the, at the beginning, and so that may impact their uh, appetite. But the ones that we've seen, like I said, and that's not been a major uh, concern. Uh, in the literature. A lot of the literature also in this area comes from Italy, where they have a lot of experience. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, There's a nephrologist there that has a particular interest, yeah. So, the, and the, the babies, uh, it, particularly in dialysis patients, the problem is a lot of them are tiny, so they have low birth weight. Okay. And you worry about their growth. They have fetal growth retardation restriction and so we it's believed that the aggressive dialysis will help that okay and that and so outcomes of live babies over the last say 10 more years even since the late 80s has increased to such even that new reports like I told you those women dialyzing at night for 40 some odd hour 48 hours have had of course that there were six, seven pregnancies reported there, but they've had um, excellent outcomes. And many of the babies, the concern is the babies are born sometimes less than 37 weeks, but if you dialyze more, it appears they can be born at 38, 39 weeks, which is a term baby. Which and, is, of course, which they always do better like that, yeah. Exactly. Um, you need to cook a little more, right? <laughs> you need to cook a little longer, yeah, inside mommy's tummy. Uh, do people who give birth, do they have C-sections or do they have a natural childbirth? Natural childbirth uh, can be achieved in chronic kidney disease, patients with kidney transplants, even like you think there's no room, oh yeah, there must be in there somewhere, on and dialysis patients. So traditionally the C-section is done, we think, if there are, Indications, obstetric indications that require C-section. They're not the kidney, not because of the kidney disease. Now, if if someone had preeclampsia, they want to deliver early, etc. And for the kidney transplant patients, we always recommend that they, if they need a C-section, that it be done in a center where there's transplant surgery available or for consultation, because since the kidney's right there and the anatomy is right. different. We want to make sure there's no complications, surgical complications on the transplanted kidney. Well, and I had a, I had to have a hysterectomy um, several years ago, and you know, I heard enough horror stories that some women went and had hysterectomies, and they didn't really consult the transplant doctor, and they just unfortunately lost their kidney because you know yeah. it's a, it's bloody and it's a messy surgery, and you can kind of clamp off the kidney and not know it because it's at a different location. And that's uh, right. I had um, 
you know, I had to do all kinds of testing to know where the kidney is. A transplant surgeon was there in the room, and luckily everything yeah. went fine. But it was it was a scary, it was scary. But um, you know, I needed to have one um to to save my life. So, uh, well, and I'm glad you turned out well. And and many of these, we've had several that have had C sections, transplant patients. We've had many transplant patients deliver much more than the dialysis patients, and we do always. Uh, and our high-risk OB patients, uh, OB doctors that are following these patients, always consult the transplant surgeon. Yeah, and they go in the OR with them too. Yeah, because you're taking, you know, probably more medicines oftentimes than you are on dialysis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, uh, that could harm the child. So, what about peritoneal dialysis? Because I was on peritoneal for. Um, a while, and then, you know, you have all that fluid. You, have, you carry a couple liters. Um, can you be pregnant and be on PD? Uh, actually, yes. And years ago, in the late 80s, in fact, the obstetricians, if they had a patient with chronic kidney disease that was pregnant and then went on to need dialysis, they wanted peritoneal dialysis because they thought the changes in fluid would be stable and gentler. The BUN would be controlled every day, right? Rather than just this. Right. They, they were usually on CAPD, not cyclical back then. Um, surprisingly, we've had a few ladies on peritoneal dialysis. They were able to make sure their dialysis was adequate. Sometimes they did, you know, 10 liters a day uh, and both fit, surprisingly. Wow. It, it, it turns out Probably PD patients are less likely to get pregnant. And some people theorize, you know, maybe all that PD solution does something to the little ovum and it, they can't fertilize or it gets washed out or something. But, um, and, and now because they're like, trying to so aggressively dialyze, you know, it's not so easily done with peritoneal dialysis. Most women now get put on hemodialysis if they need it. But yes, we did it for you. I had several patients on PD. Well, now I guess, you know, I saw a post uh, about a week ago that a girl was scheduled for a kidney transplant and she got her period and she was so worried about they were going to postpone the transplant because she got her period. And it was a great dialogue because they're like, well, well, when you have your period, that means you're healthy. They're not going to postpone the transplant because of that. That means your body's functioning. Yeah, to my knowledge, uh, no, there's no uh, uh, about that, and, and we would ask our transplant surgeons, but usually no, that's not been an issue. Of course, we would, if you were pregnant, we would postpone the yes, kidney transplant. Yes, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's okay, you can have your period. Exactly. Well, and, it, you know, because um, I remember in the olden days when I was on PD, you know, I started, I, I didn't have a period when I was on hemo, and I went on PD, and I started to get a period, and that just showed I was, it was working a little bit better. And yeah. I think... Um, so is birth control a discussion that nephrologists are having uh, with Hopefully, their patients? yes, and particularly in when you become, uh, when your renal function improves after transplant. So right. that fertility is certainly restored or greatly improved in that setting. And in the first year, we talked about we really don't want women getting pregnant. And as you discussed, if 
kidney function is not ideal, that could be a problem. So yes, and the issue would be discussed between the nephrologist, the patient, of course, and the obstetrician to choose a medication that has the least impact on um, the levels of the medications. And if it has, then we follow it and make sure to adjust. And the least, you know, the risk of clotting as some of these right. birth control pills have. Yeah. And so what what do you recommend for your patients? You know what? I don't even know the names of half of these new ones anymore. And uh, we asked the um, obstetrician to choose the one that has the least uh, like clotting problem. Like the nephrotoxic that yeah. are nephrotoxic. Uh, no, or... but the, the birth control pills that have um, some estrogen compounds, higher ones, are higher risk of DVTs, oh. of vein clots or strokes or things of this nature. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I uh, it's interesting because it falls over into when you're not pregnant, but they don't like that, you know, I would ever take any type of hormone or estrogen or anything like that, and it's because of clotting, I guess. I, I didn't clotting. actually know the reason why, uh, but when I had my hysterectomy, you know, it was like, no, just, just cold turkey it. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then, and too, that some of those hormones will change the level of of say the prograph or tacrolimus, some of cyclosporin maybe. So all we do is if somebody's going to start on them, check the level to make right. sure it doesn't change. And then if we have to adjust the dose, we do. Well, um, over the years, you've had a lot of patients that have had children. And I know that, you know, your patients become part of your family because we live so long. You know, we keep seeing them and, you know, we just... So uh, do you get to follow any of your patients that have had children? And, you know, what's their life yes, like? Yes, we have. And actually, many years ago, I can't... I, have to, I should have pulled that article. I had one of our students who was interested in research. We compiled... All the children of the kidney transplant patients at UCI up to then. This was maybe, I want to say, 20 years ago. Okay? Okay. And uh, called all the moms, got all the kids, and those children were doing pretty well. Oh, they, wow. You know, some had gone to college, some had uh, still little kids, and they didn't seem to have any major issues or developmental delays or learning disabilities. The kids were doing fine. And the moms, of course, were very happy to have been able to have children. We've had a couple that have had two. I had a dialysis. We've had one dialysis patient's had two. Wow. And they're doing fine, the babies. So it's fun. You know, the, sort of the, uh, a miracle, I guess. Well, and, you know, it's families. Yeah. You do dialysis to live the life you were meant to live. And if you have the ability to have children and you, you know, I would say that you have a stable environment because I imagine you probably need a little more help than a healthy mom. Um, just with all the aspects of just your energy level and having to rely on a machine to live. Um, it can be a reason to get you up out of bed every morning, um, you know, and give you a source of joy. So I think it's great that that option's available. Well, yeah. anything in wrapping up uh, the show that you think people should know or if they have questions about, you know, becoming pregnant with, I, I think mostly it's, you know, number one, CKD, but what would be the first uh, question that somebody should ask their nephrologist? I think they should ask their nephrologist first, you know, how stable they are and what does the nephrologist think, but particularly to discuss it with high-risk obstetric team as well. 
people well, who have experience in these areas so that you're informed, you know. Well, and then also, I just had one more thought, but some um, some illnesses are genetic. So people need to be aware if they have polycystic kidney Absolutely, disease. Absolutely, yes. They Alport have like a... syndrome, polycystic kidney disease, Fabre's, right. They have to, you know, there's a certain percentage that the literature shows that you could potentially pass that on to your child. Yes. And, 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 and that's an excellent point that I didn't bring up. And when any of those things are in question, we certainly send people to our genetics team. So everybody's well-informed. And well-informed. And if it doesn't work out, you know, adopt, right? That's right. <laughs> there you go. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Paul, for sharing your knowledge about pregnancy and kidney disease. Um, this is such a happy topic. I, I think it's, we often don't talk about things that everybody wants because, oh, you're on dialysis or you're a patient. They, they think sometimes people, you know, give up on what they want, and it's it's not true. You still have the same you can desires. Still, exactly. exactly. You you have to uh, live the life you were meant to live. So, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.